Hey, then again, listeners, Libba here. Happy New Year from all of us at the Northeast Georgia History Center. We have been thrilled with the reception that this podcast has received and how many listeners we've gained over the last year. We've got lots of great episodes in the works for 2022, and we can't wait to hear what you think. If you ever want to share a topic idea, a guest recommendation, or just want to let us know your thoughts on our episodes, feel free to email us at thenagain at n-e-g-a-h-c dot o-r-g. That's then again at N-E-G-A-H-C dot O-R-G. All right, here's the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Then Again. This is Marie Walker, the Director of Education at the Northeast Georgia History Center. And today I have with me Dr. Tucker, and she is going to be talking to us about reconstruction specifically in Georgia. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Tucker. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me here. So I am an assistant professor of history at the University of North Georgia, and my research looks at actually international influences on the creation of Confederate nationalism. And my current project takes that forward into reconstruction to look at how former Confederates sought to remake their national identity during during this time period of Reconstruction. So for those of our listeners who might not be exactly familiar with Reconstruction, can you give us a very general, broad overview about what what Reconstruction was supposed to be and what it was? Absolutely. Reconstruction is the period following the Civil War in which the United States is seeking to remake the South and the nation after the war. So first of all, the seceded Southern states have to be readmitted to the United States. But also, of course, the Civil War brought a lot of change particularly with the end of slavery, as well as the destruction that the war itself caused. And so Reconstruction also seeks to answer the questions regarding how to remake the Southern social and economic system without slavery, for example. How should Black people be incorporated into citizenship? So those are some of the additional issues that Reconstruction sought to deal with. So you were talking about how states have to get readmitted into the union. Can you take us through the process of what did Georgia have to do to really rejoin the United States? It was one of the original 13 colonies and then seceded and, you know, for a time and was a part of the Confederate States of America. What did it have to do to rejoin the union and how did that mending of a nation really take place and and happen? The political process ended up becoming quite convoluted, especially here in the state of Georgia. And this is in part because different groups and different constituencies, even different politicians, had different ideas of what exactly they thought readmission should look like. So I always say that there are two key goals that reconstruction has to deal with readmitting the southern states, but also emancipating the freed people. And even though the U.S. agrees on these goals, even politicians have different ideas of which is most important and how to make this happen. So the first plan that's enacted in Georgia is actually under the guidance of President Johnson, who of course became president after Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. And Johnson's personal plan 
political viewpoints led him to desire a process of readmission that would be very quick. He wanted to achieve that first goal of readmitting the southern states very quickly, and he was not overly concerned with the second goal of emancipating the freed people, unfortunately. So under Johnson, Georgia and about half of the Confederate states are readmitted basically under a process of writing a new state constitution that requires them to do away with secession and requires them to accept voting rights or to accept citizenship for free people. So that's the first time that Georgia is readmitted under Johnson by the end of 1865. So the same year that the Civil War ends, Georgia is readmitted. But even as Georgia is readmitted, it reappoints high-level Confederate leaders as its senators. It restricts the vote to white people. It passes black codes, restricting the rights of now freed people, and rejects the 14th Amendment, which guarantees citizenship to all persons born in the United States. So Congress wasn't happy with the fact that this readmission really came at the expense of black Southerners. So Congress calls a redo, and under radical reconstruction, led by the radical wing of the Republican Party who dominated Congress, Georgia and the other state basically had a chance to do it again, this time ensuring all voters, including Black voters, would actually be represented. So Georgia, once again, um, writes a new state constitution, holds new elections. This time, Black voters get to vote in the elections. And under this government, 33 African Americans are elected to represent the state of Georgia in Georgia's government. So those are going to be the first couple times then that Georgia is readmitted under Reconstruction. Yes, so those 33 African Americans who were elected to the Georgia General Assembly are sometimes called the original 33. And can you tell us a little bit about them and what they really did in the Georgia General Assembly or just what their being there really meant and represented for Reconstruction and how really that was that was the point of reconstruction is that you know that they are participating in our our government these people who had formerly really been shut out so can you tell us a little bit or speak to that a little bit more Absolutely. You know, our nation was founded upon these amazing ideals that the people should be in charge of government and government exists to protect the rights of the people. And what Reconstruction did was it helped the nation take a major step forward towards living up to our founding ideals by ensuring that both Black and white Americans would be able to have that say in their government, to participate in the self-government, this ideal that at the heart of the American experiment and the American nation. So this was a major step forward, not just for Black Georgians, not just for Georgia, but for the nation and our national values as a whole. And these 33 men who represented the state of Georgia were amongst the very first elected Black office holders in the United States. These were remarkable men who are taking an enormous chance to step up and defend and advance our American values. And so their service in our state government was remarkable and significant, again, just 
just in helping the nation move closer to its values, but these men also had an agenda of freedom and equality and opportunity that really helped the state take some very specific steps forward as a result of their actions as well. So it was the actions of these original 33, for example, who helped create the first public education system in Georgia. They're the ones we owe public education and the state of Georgia too. They also are the ones who finally ratified the 14th Amendment, guaranteeing citizenship to all persons born in the United States. And so, like I say, their their achievements are substantial, both in the major step forward that their service represented, as well as in, again, the incredible agenda that they helped pass to advance the state of Georgia even further. Now, if the story of Reconstruction could end there, it, it would oh. it would be a nice, happy ending. But sadly, it does not. And the legacy of not just Reconstruction, but then the ending of Reconstruction, and then the period that happens after that is really a um, a resistance to what just happened in, in the Georgia Assembly, is uh, in the state of Georgia. So, can you tell us a little bit about how the resistance to Reconstruction came into play, and then of course, the the ending of Reconstruction. Yeah, unfortunately, the story does not stop there. On the contrary, many former Confederates, many white Southerners and Georgians, certainly not all, but many opposed these advances that African Americans had made thanks to Reconstruction. And this is actually something that um, jumped out at me in my own research and Reconstruction, the extent to which many white Southerners felt like their rights were being taken away from them. Them by having to grant equal right to Black people. So because white people could not have sole control of the government anymore, they declared that they had lost their right to self-government, which is not the way self-government works. It doesn't guarantee you that you get to win the election, but that was effectively what, again, some of these white Southerners wanted. And so in the aftermath of the election of these original 33 Black legislators and the gains that they were making, the advances they were making in the state of Georgia, many white politicians and average citizens of Georgia pushed back. So in September of 1868, these 33 Black legislators were expelled from the Georgia Assembly and replaced by their Democratic opponents. So like I say, Georgia ends up having a more complicated path of reunion than most because not only were the African-American legislators expelled in September of 68, as the some of these legislators and fellow Republican Party members were marching in protest of this expulsion. They were marching to Camilla, where they were ambushed by their opponents who surround them and open fire against the marchers. 15 people were killed and 40 were wounded at this massacre, politically motivated massacre of American citizens exercising their freedom of speech and assembly. And so in response to 
to that, Georgia is effectively kicked back out of the United States once again. And we have to do a third process of do over, this time reseeding those Black legislators and ratifying the 15th Amendment, guaranteeing all male citizens the right to vote. And this time it sticks and Georgia is fully readmitted. But again, that's not the end of the story. So Georgia is readmitted in 1870. And by 1871, um, basically the gains that the Republican Party and African Americans along with the Republican Party had made in Georgia were already eroded in part thanks to the actions of the Ku Klux Klan here in Georgia. Yes, so I'm sure everyone has at least heard of the the Ku Klux Klan and the general formation of it and, and what they do, but could you give us a little bit of insight into what the Ku Klux Klan looked like during Reconstructions because there's many iterations of the, the, the Klan, the rebirth of the Klan in the 1920s looks a lot different and also in very many ways similar to what it did right during, during Reconstruction and right after. Absolutely. So the Klan was founded by Confederate veterans in the immediate aftermath of the Civil War. And as early as 1867, 1868, it was already present in Georgia functioning basically as a paramilitary wing of the Democratic Party. So the Republican Party was the party of Lincoln, the party of Reconstruction that left the Democratic Party to oppose the Republicans. And so the Klan uses violence in order to intimidate both politically active African Americans as well as Republican Party members and the South more generally in order to try and prevent African Americans and the Republican Party from gaining power. So here in Georgia, the plan goes on a spree of violence from 68 through 71, with most of this violence aimed, again, at intimidating Black voters in particular. So they use night rides, weed whippings, beatings, shootings, all trying to send the message that any Black person who participated in the political process would be beaten, would be met with violence. And so this is violence as a political tool designed specifically to prevent Black people from exercising their new right to vote. And unfortunately, this violence was tragically effective. So to give us a couple examples of the impact it had here in Georgia, So in one election cycle, the number of registered voters in Oglethorpe County go from over 1,100 Republican voters to just over 100 Republican voters between April and November. In Columbia County, it goes from over 1,200 voters in April to one Republican voter in November. So that vividly illustrates just how brutally effective the Klan was at disenfranchising African Americans they were afraid for their lives if they voted. And so they were effectively unable to vote. How does Reconstruction end? Because there is a, the, an end to the Reconstruction, official Reconstruction period. Mm-hmm. So how does that come about in Georgia? 
Reconstruction, the Reconstruction agenda ends in Georgia as well as in most of the rest of the southern states when each state accomplishes a process that the former Confederates called redemption. So this is the point at which they had disenfranchised enough Black voters that the electorate was once again primarily white, voting for the primarily white Democratic Party. So at the point that the Democratic Party replaced the Republican Party administration, White Southerners declared they had redeemed their state from Republican rule. And in Georgia, this happened again very quickly by 1870, 1871, just a matter of months after that third readmission to the U.S., Georgia has already undergone this process of redemption. On a national level, we generally consider Reconstruction to be closed through the election of 1876 and the kind of false impression there that there was this bargain, a compromise of 1877. And in reality, by 1877, the momentum had largely gone out of Reconstruction, not just in the South, but amongst Northerners as well, who were tired of dealing with issues of the war, who were dealing with recession and political corruption at home, who were looking forward toward um, industrialization and imperialism, and wanted to put the Civil War and its subsequent issues behind them and move forward. So by the late 1870s, then, again, not just white Southerners, but many white Northerners as well were willing to really look the other way as Black Southerners continued to lose their votes and their voices in the government. Again, basically the nation opts for reconciliation, that first goal of remaking the United States, even if it comes at the expense of emancipation, that second goal of meaningful freedom for freed people. What do would you say how how is the idea of nationalism involved with reconstruction? Interesting question. Now, reconstruction effectively has a chance to remake American nationalism. And for a time it does. So again, during Reconstruction, when Georgia has those 33 Black legislators, when Americans, both Black and White, have the chance to vote, that has remade American nationalism to be a more inclusive form. It has, like I said, taken us a major step forward towards really living out the ideals of our nationalism. But as we've seen, that change, unfortunately, was not last and instead a more limited vision of nationalism is recreated that reasserts the power of white Americans to solely determine the future of the nation. Now, this isn't unanimous. There are other groups of Americans who still continue to maintain a more inclusive vision of nationalism, who still retain the emancipatory view of the Civil War, for example. So many Union veterans continue you to maintain they fought for freedom. And that's what the war was all about. Certainly African American, led by people like Frederick Douglass, keep pushing for a memory of the Civil War and Reconstruction that centered nationalism that embraced and allowed for the rights of all Americans. And even some white Southerners, denounced as scalawags, joined these um, Union veterans, African Americans, and the Republican Party and this more emancipatory vision 
origin of American nationalism. But ultimately, part of why Reconstruction ends the way it does is that more emancipatory vision of nationalism ultimately lost out to a vision that, again, a majority of white Northerners and Southerners alike preferred a vision where they could forget about the messiness of racial issues, do so by maintaining racial segregation, and move forward onto other issues. Reconstruction has a very complicated legacy. It's a complicated and messy process, as you were saying. I mean, Georgia got readmitted into the Union, what, three times, you were saying? Three times, yep. So that's just, right there, that's just one state being readmitted to the Union three times. That sounds like a very messy, complicated process legally. And Reconstruction it was generally considered to be a rather messy process. So what do you think the legacy of Reconstruction really is? Because some people would say, well, yes, legally the Union came back together, but what started in Reconstruction really didn't finish almost until the Civil Rights Movement when you have Black and African Americans really pushing for their right for and civil rights. And that vision of Reconstruction kind of finishes almost 100 years later. Can you tell us a little bit about what you think the legacy of Reconstruction is and how America's view of Reconstruction and the legacy of it has also changed over time. Absolutely. Reconstruction is really one of those topics where history as interpretation really becomes very clear and very obvious. History is not just a series of facts. History depends on how we interpret those facts and make sense out of them. So on the one hand, there's the interpretation that we've been discussing, this emancipationist interpretation of Reconstruction, where it was a positive time of the expansion of American rights. But as we've seen, that vision doesn't persist very long. Instead, what emerges to become the dominant interpretation of Reconstruction, like you say, really up through the civil rights movement of the 20th century, was the idea that we know as the lost cause. So the lost cause was an attempt by defeated Confederates to rewrite the history of the Civil War and Reconstruction in a way that would vindicate them and restore their honor even amidst their defeat. And so one of the things that the Lost Cause says regarding Reconstruction is that the evil Yankees who conducted Reconstruction were using Reconstruction to punish the South and kick it while it was down. And this is that vision of those carpetbaggers and scalawags who, again, are conspiring in retaliation against the South, trying to punish white Southerners. And of course, as we've seen, that was not a goal of Reconstruction. There were no serious attempts to punish the South, keep it out of the United States, permanently restrict the rights of former Confederates, restrict or force reparations, limit their equality within the nation. None of that was really on the table. Again, the goals were reunite the nation on a basis of equality because we're a republic where the people are in charge of government and government protects the people's rights. And then secondly, to emancipate enslaved Americans. And it was that second goal where white Southerners came to feel punished. As I was saying earlier, it was striking when I was, when I started my research on the Reconstruction era, what felt punishing to former Confederates was giving right to their formerly enslaved work. 
workers. So this narrative of reconstruction as a punitive time period of, you know, again, this destruction that the Republican Party wrought against the South, unfortunately, that lost cause interpretation came to be the prevailing mainstream interpretation of the period well into the 20th century, with, again, um, African Americans and other groups of Americans continuing to push back. But that's why we still kind of have such diverging opinions on Reconstruction and society today. The lost cause made its way into academia, into the textbooks, into the schools. And when that's what you're taught, that's what you know. So I would say we are still in the process now of helping people understand a broader understanding of Reconstruction that better contextualizes it, incorporates more solid evidence from African Americans, for example, and not just from white Americans, and really recovers that vision of Reconstruction as this period where the nation made enormous strides forward for our national values. I think that is a perfect summary of Reconstruction and the legacy of it. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Tucker. We really appreciate it. And thank you so much for sharing some of your insight uh, from your research with us. We truly appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners for the Then Again podcast found it just as riveting as I did. Thanks again for having me. Is there any last thoughts that you would like to share before we go or anything that you wish I had asked you that you didn't get a chance to talk about? No, I think that hung together pretty well. Yeah. I think it, it, it came all nice, full circle, wrap it up with a little bow. Yeah, that was great. Then Again is a production of the Cottrell Digital Studio at the Northeast Georgia History Center. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps other people discover the show. There are a few great ways to support the History Center. Make a donation online by clicking the donate button on our website at www.negahc.org. Become a digital member to receive exclusive invites to members-only live streams every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. And you can register on our membership page at www.negahc.org. We also have an online gift shop with lots of great items for all ages. Use promo code THENAGAIN for 15% off your online order. Valid on anything except memberships and handmade items. We'll see you next week for another episode of Then Again. Thanks, y'all.